Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. We've been studying Jesus' stories, just topically pulling some of them out. Where we started was in the Gospel of Matthew. We started in the Gospel of Matthew because there's this Jewishness that just kind of comes out in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew writes from the standpoint of, I want to show you why Jesus is the coming Messiah. I need to prove this to you, so here's how I'll prove it to you. And then Matthew lays out this whole thing to where you get a genealogy, and so you show his bloodline. Then you get Christmas, and you see that he, he's, he's born into a virgin, and that there's all these miraculous uh, things around it. Then you get all of these Jewish encounters and uh, interactions with the Jewish, with the religious elite. And so you get this picture that the only thing we're trying to prove in Matthew's gospel is, I told you he's the king, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. You know, I guess the thing. When we get to the, uh, the, the gospel of Mark, something different happens. Something completely different happens. And you can tell it in the way that it's written. If you, if you go and you begin to kind of study the way it's written, you can see Mark is aiming to do something that's completely different than what Matthew is doing. Now, there's a, I, have a weird, I have a weird pastime and hobby to where, and maybe you're the same way, but I love listening to different accents and dialects. Like when I hear somebody with a British accent, like I don't care what they're saying, I don't care if they're, they're cussing me out, like just say more words, you know, like I just want to kind of keep hearing. In the South, it's kind of the same way, you know, the East Coast, the West Coast, the West Coast with the fast talking, stay on top, it's all right, bro, just keep it going, dude, it's all right, you know, this whole thing. And then when you get to the East Coast, which is by far my favorite, and you, and you, and you begin to talk about New York, which is a dialect, you know, forget about it, forget about it, forget about it, you know. The whole thing, forget about it. Which one? You know? Then my all-time favorite, which I don't know if I've told you this story, but it, it's, worth, it's worth retelling. Boston. By far, by far my favorite accent. By far, unfortunately, there's so much swear words that come with it, like it's hard to do a good impersonation. But Boston, the Boston dialect is great. It's great. My brother and I went to Boston a few years back. Um... We, f- we flew in, and we're in the airport. It's late. There's very few people around. And um, we need a rental car. So there's these two ladies on the other side of the desk. And we come peeling in, and, and we're, we're spent. And the lady says, oh, hi. How you boys doing? You need, can I help you with something? Yeah, we need to get a rental car. Oh, where are you coming from? Uh, Kansas. Kansas? Here they come, cause you know what it's, you know what I mean. Like here comes the Wizard of jo- the Wizard of Oz jokes, right? Like you've, n- I've never heard. That's hilarious, you know. Oh my goodness. Well, you're not in Kansas anymore. There are you, Toto, huh? You know. Oh, I'm not. Thank you, Doris. You know. Um, so she's trying to help us out, and she's and she gets to asking questions, and she gets hung up on a thing, and and I don't know why. I don't know why. Like this is, she, I can never live in Kansas, ever in my whole life. I could never live there. And I said, uh, oh, sorry, you know. And she's like, it's just so dangerous, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, guess I don't see Kansas like, like you see Kansas. She's like, there's wild animals and stuff in the dark, right? And I was like, well, I suppose like on some level there are some wild animals Somewhere, she's no, but I mean like cougars and stuff. And I was like, yeah, maybe, but 
I don't know anybody that's ever got attacked. I don't know any. I don't. So it's not a thing we really think about. Yeah, but you got those spinners, though. Excuse me? Doris, what are the things called? The land hurricanes with the, the, the spinners? What do they call them? And the, I'm from Kansas, but she's asking Doris. Doris, what are they? The, what are they? The, the spinners? And, uh, the, and the lady's like, are you talking about twisters? And she's like, twisters? You guys have twisters there. I was like, yeah, so we call, we call them tornadoes, you know. And she's like, oh, those are wicked. They like pick stuff up and throw it around. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's true. Oh, I could never live there. I would, if I lived there, I would never even go outside. I would never. And all of a sudden, like something hit her. She was like, what are you? Like, you guys have a lot of cattle and stuff, right? Do you like bring them indoors so that they don't blow away in the store? <laughs> Again, I'm like, like the perspective is so different. And so she goes on about the wilds of Kansas and how it's so much like, you know, the Wild West and everyone's just gunning each other down in the streets and it's terrifying with all the wild animals that we have at night, you know. And so I thought I might add a differing opinion and I just said, um, you know, I said, it's funny that you say that. I said, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not an avid runner, but every once in a while I'll sign up for a 5K and I'll get in and, you know, just get my little tubby body moving on a 5K. I said, but you know what's really crazy is not one time has anybody ever detonated a bomb at the 5Ks I was running at. <laughs> Doris looks up from the back and the lady at the deal, she's like, oh yeah, that's nice, 5K. And she looks at me and she says, too soon. <laughs> too soon. I wasn't making light of the horrific event. I just wanted to add that it kind of is where you come from that makes a world of difference on how you see the world and what you see in a different place. You know, you can look at a place and be like, when's the last time that something like that has happened here? Never. But there? Oh my goodness, how dangerous. And she's thinking, like, I saw Animal Planet once and those cats have huge teeth. They're probably in Kansas, you know? Which was crazy because then it really messed up my perspective about Kansas because to my knowledge, at least as far, as far as I know, we are the only place in our fair city that actually celebrates a 5K race about a guy who blew stuff up. <laughs> so I had to kind of like recalibrate like she's right. No, she's wrong. She's right, you know? Like we do have a bit. It's not too soon. You're too late. We've already done this thing, you know? We've already done this thing, you know? Perspective is made up of our experiences, our culture, and the situations that are around us, our dialect and the way that people talk. It's always, that makes up our perspective on how we see things. So when Mark begins to write, what you see is a whole lot of Aramaic. Now, Aramaic... Aramaic was common. Everybody, a lot of people spoke Aramaic. But his Greek, there's, there's a couple different kinds of Greek. Like there's formal English. And then there's like when you and your buddies get together, you know. There's things, there's research papers that you write. And then there's Twitter. Like you throw out punctuation, throw out grammar, get the best thing in there so that you can get the point across. Mark's gospel is a little like that. He uses a lot of Aramaic. It is for common folk. It is the blue collar. It's us. His language is written for us. Mark's idea is this. 
let's take the grammar and let's kind of move that aside. That's not going to be the focus. I want to get to the meat of what I'm trying to talk about. If Matthew's gospel is kind of like a history book and Luke's gospel is kind of like a heartfelt novel, then, uh, then Mark's gospel kind of becomes like a Twitter account, 140 characters, only vital information, and only the best descriptors. That's kind of the way we have to read Mark's gospel because that's what he wrote. He also uses a whole lot of Latin, which was from Rome. So this Roman influence on Mark has produced this thing to where now Mark speaks with this Latin, um, not like Latin, Latin like Rome, you know? And so he, he speaks and he writes these things in there where Matthew would write and the demon and the man spoke up and said, Our, my name is Legion for we are many. Legion means this and this and this. Or when a centurion, that's a warrior who has over a hundred people underneath him. Mark doesn't explain it. Matthew will, Luke will. Mark doesn't explain it. When it comes to things that have to do with Rome or written in the Latin language, he doesn't explain it. That tells us that he probably wasn't writing to Jews, that he was probably writing to people who already knew this stuff. So the use of Aramaic, the use of Latin, points us to the fact that he must be writing to the Romans, which is a good indication. That's a good indication. That takes us to another place. Um, Mark's opening phrase tells us something else about his audience. Take a look at this. Mark chapter 1, verse... The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay. Verse 2. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Verse 4. And so John came baptizing in the desert. Where's Christmas? No stockings are hung by the chimney with care. No three wise men. Mark just tosses it. Now, forget about Christmas. No Christmas? Why no Christmas, Mark? Because that's not important right now. We've got to get to the meat of the story. Mark's Jesus is one who is always on the way somewhere. Here's an interesting point about Mark's gospel. He says, the beginning. The beginning is a picture word. It's the picture word of an archway. An archway, when you walk into a zoo, when you walk into a park, when you walk into a Grand Central Station, when you walk into some place of notoriety, there is an archway, there is something there saying where you are. Mark is saying, I need you to go on this trip with me. And so get in, buckle up, here we go. This is where we're headed. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's always immediate. Here's what else we know. Mark links together story after story after story after story. There's 678 verses in the, in the gospel of Mark. 410 of them start like this, and then... You know what it sounds like? Have you ever had a little boy come up and tell you a story about something he just did? Or a little girl come up and tell you, my youngest is like superior at this. I mean, dad, you're not going to, she'll walk in, she'll get a backpack on her shoulder. She'll throw it off. Dad, you're not going to believe what happened today. So I was talking to Haley at school and she was telling me that her dad and her brother, they caught a dog and then they said that they did this and then they said this and then they said, and I'm, by the, I'm like, is there a break? Because like, I need a bathroom, you know? 
and then, and then, and then, and then, but hey, 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 breathe and time out. Like I need a, I'm, I'm hungry, like stop. Mark's gospel is, and then, and then, and then 410 times he starts off a verse, and then. What else is interesting is this. He uses the word immediately. Immediately, immediately, immediately. Jesus is a mall walker in the gospel of Mark. Like he is hoofing it everywhere he goes. Immediately is used 10 times in the first chapter. It's used over 40 times throughout the book, immediately. Mark wants you to get a picture of who Jesus is. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the gospel message about Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think it would be important for these people to have a new beginning? This is the beginning. This is the archway, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's writing to these people. They suggest it's in Rome, but assuming other Christians will read this. Why do they need a new beginning? I got a couple of thoughts on it. Let me, let me share them with you. Number one, because Jesus had ascended into heaven. Can you imagine how, how screwed up your life would be if you knew Jesus personally and then he left? Like physically? Like he shows up and he ruins fishing from that point forward, right? Because when you're with Jesus, you fish, you throw your net on the one side, he's like nothing. You throw it on the other side, what do you get? A bajillion. And then you like look at your buddy one day and you're like, I know Jesus isn't around, but you want to go fishing? Really? And you do what? Not to catch nothing? We're never going to catch like that many fish ever again. Do you want to go swimming? Do you remember when we used to walk on the water? Do you want to go eat something to eat? Oh, what? Like, like bread and fish? Thanks for reminding me. Like Jesus is gone. And so I think in Mark's mind, it's this. These people need encouragement. They need to remember these stories about what happened. They need to remember. They need to be encouraged because they don't have him anymore. They're trying to create a revolution and they have no leader. So I think Mark is reaching out and saying, hey, remember, remember, this is what it was. Remember, this is how it went. Second thing is this. They're trying to learn how to work by the power of the Holy Spirit. Where Jesus was once there and they could kind of hide behind him. You know, when the Pharisees would ask questions and the disciples would like stand there and be like, we have to ask Jesus. We don't know the answer to that one, you know. And then now he's not there. So they've got to figure out how to work with the Holy Spirit. The third one is this. They were being heavily persecuted at this time. The apostle Paul, who before he became a Christian, the uh, Pharisee, Saul was his name, attacking Christians everywhere. It was open season for Christians. So they need this kind of encouragement. They need to be told that, you know what? It's okay. You're going to make it. The last one is this. Why do they need a new beginning? Well, let me ask you. Have you ever needed one? You ever needed a fresh start? Like just to just to walk in and hit the reset button. I just need a fresh start. Uh, I'll be transparent with you for just a second. My, uh, my wife and I got in a hook. Uh, not a hook hook, but like, a, like an argument last week. Um, she was mean and hurt my feelings. Uh, and I... And I was mean, and I was mean, and I hurt her feelings. And so I went to the gym, and I was like, you know, maybe I just need to go work out, you know, and just kind of cool it. And so I called her when I got to the gym, and I was like, look, hey, you know, let's talk through this. Anyway, you know how that goes? You're like, th then I picked a fight on accident. 
you know, then she got even more mad. So we're, we fought at home and I left and I went to the gym and I fought on the phone for a minute and then she got mad at me and she hung up the phone and I was like, I need to work out anyway. So I went and I worked out and I got my workout done. About 30 minutes later, I kind of got to feeling guilty. I was like, you know what, dude? She is a good, 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 good woman. She's good. You know, and you can't just be that way. You don't, I know you're stressed out, you know, you're worried about this, you're worried about that, but like, you don't get to just be that way. You need to go home, you need to apologize. I know the Lord was kind of directing some of these thoughts. Dude, you know better than this. She's a good person. Don't be that way. That's ridiculous. <sighs> okay. Drive home, walk in the house. As soon as I walk in the house, she stands at the sink, she turns around, and she says, I need to tell you something. And I thought, here we go, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. See, that's what I mean. That's what I mean when I'm telling you about it. That's exactly. And uh, she turns around and she says, uh, I need to tell you I'm sorry. I need to tell you I'm sorry. I get defensive. You know, and it's just not right. It's not fair. And I was like, look, I, you're a good person. She's like, you're a good man. I'm like, listen, but you're a good person. And like, I shouldn't treat you that way. And I just, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm sorry I do this. And I was like, you know what? Let's, let's just forget about it. We'll just start over, right? We don't even address any of these other deals. They're not important. Let's just move on. And she's like, deal. Let's just move on. If you ever needed a new beginning, like you just need what's there. You can't even pick up the pieces. What you need to do is just kind of like, I think I'm going to move this direction, you know? Like, I don't even want to look at this disaster right now. I can't do anything with it. What I need to do is move over here. I need a new beginning. I just need to start over. For some of us, that's repentance. We've gotten in a pattern of just running reckless with our life, and we need to repent. We need to stop. We need to turn around from what we're doing. We need to come back to the Lord. Some of us, that's confession. It's getting to a place to where you speak with somebody, you talk to your wife, you talk to a minister, you talk to a friend, and you say, look, this is where I am. And I'm busted and I'm broken and I need to just talk about what's there. And this is the conversation we've mentioned before. That when you confess sins, it's like, it's like when you try to explain a dream. Remember this? You try to explain a dream to somebody that you just had. And in your mind, it makes perfect sense. Then you say it out loud and you're weird, right? Like, you were there, but you were two people. It was at this hospital, but we were in Coffeeville, you know. Like, it's weird. As soon as you say it, it begins to dissipate, and it's the same way with our sin, same way with our life. And some of you, maybe the new archway, the new beginning, is you saying, I need to confess. For some of us, it's the waters of baptism. We've never made that decision. We've never said, you know what, I need a time and a place and a date and an event to where I can say me and God started our relationship at this point. This is when I know that I really truly committed to the process. We all need a new beginning. We all need one. When reading Mark's gospel, the first few verses, you will see that he is not Paul Harvey. He's not interested in telling you the rest of the story. It's not going to give you any context. He's not interested in giving you any background, any, any sort of history on it. He's just going to the next story. Only the vital information. Why would he toss out the genealogy? For this reason. If he's writing to the Romans, then the Romans don't really care about his Jewishness and how pure-blooded he is. That doesn't really affect them. The second reason. Why in the world, why in the world would he not incorporate like at least the Christmas story? Here's, the, here's what I think about Mark's reasoning. I think his reason is this. 
when we begin to talk about Christmas, you tell me the Christmas story. It goes like this. Well, Mary and Joseph, Mark says that's already the problem. Jesus doesn't share the spotlight with anybody. And in Mark's gospel, he's going to be sure that Jesus never has to share the spotlight with anybody. No, I'm not giving you a Mary. I'm not giving you a Joseph. I'm not giving you wise men. I'm not giving you King Herod. I'm telling you about Jesus. So John the Baptist, only reason I mention him because he's going to baptize him in a minute, and then we're going to move on. That's Mark's Jesus. That's pretty cool. Third one is this. There's not a whole lot of teaching. The other gospels are packed full of parables. Mark can give you four. You want to know what Jesus was like? He tells a story about this, 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 and this. That's it. There's not huge texts of just teaching, like the Sermon on the Mount that you find in Matthew. Mark doesn't put that in there. Here's the reason why. The Romans looked at the Jews as lazy because they had the Sabbath. So, they, so the Jews said this. Look, here's the thing. Our God told us to rest one day a week. And the Romans were like, your God's lazy. My God works like seven days a week. And they looked at the Jews like they were lazy because this is how they honored God with the Sabbath. In Rome, actions and deeds trump words. Actions and deeds are more important. So Mark's Jesus, he's on the go. You want to see a wonder worker? You want to see a miracle guy? Follow Mark's Jesus because every other story is that. That's the way Mark wants to portray him. Last one is this. He doesn't waste any time. He doesn't waste any time at all. He's always on the go. And then, and then, immediately, immediately. For us, here's what it comes to. What's your lineage? What's your genealogy? You a, uh, come from a long line of wanted posters? Hmm? You come, from a, you come from a rich, rich Catholic background. Everybody in my family had First Communion, and we were all there, and it was just always this way, and we always went to Mass, and we always went to confession. Is that where it comes from? Is that the lineage that you're proud of? If so, great. Did you come from a strong place, a financial place? You were wealthy? Excellent. Did you come from a poor place? Okay. Mark's gospel is this. There is no lineage. We're not talking about that. In the kingdom of heaven, your lineage doesn't matter. In fact, Psalm 61, one of my favorite passages, says this. For you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You know what that says about me? Just a, a white trash kid? You know what that says about me? That I don't have to look back on my heritage and say, that's who I am. I get to look towards those who have been heroes in the faith and say, those are my people. I get to look at some of you and look at your life and the things that you've taught me and the things that you've told me. And I get to say, these are my people. My lineage doesn't matter. You could trace my bloodline back as far as you want and you'll, you know what you'll find? The same depravity that I have in my heart. There's nobody back there that's awesome. Well, he was a king. Well, yeah, and he was kind of an adulterer like a million times over. Why? That's important? In Mark's gospel, lineage is tossed. Second part. We don't, share, we don't share the spotlight with Jesus. It's Jesus' spotlight. Jesus is in the spotlight. Christians are awesome at talking about Jesus. Are we not? Nobody talks about Jesus as good as we talk about Jesus. The unfortunate part of it is this. Christians are awesome at not living up to what they say about Jesus. 
more often than not. Oh, we know how to line it up. You know, we know how to tell the stories, preach the sermons, but do we live that life in the world? It's a tough one. Our responsibility isn't to move into the front and be like, let me tell you about the Lord, okay? Let me tell you about how everything in my life is peaches and cream because I follow the Lord, and so if your life isn't good, it's probably because you and Jesus are, you know? No. We don't get to share the spotlight with Jesus. That's his. That's his. The last part is this, our immediacy. Mark's gospel is about immediately. There has to be a sense of urgency in our heart to tell the message of Jesus to those, to those around us. We have to be willing and ready and in season and out of season, Scripture says. Be ready in season and out of season to give a testimony of our faith. Why in the world do you believe what you believe? Oh, uh, because my dad was Presbyterian? That's a terrible answer. Terrible answer. Why do you believe what you believe? Because in the worst moment of my life, he was all I had. And because my life shouldn't be like it is right now, my life is good and it shouldn't be. I've done enough damage in the world that it should come back on me a thousand times over and it hasn't. And I can only assume that that's God working in my life. Because I have peace. Because I have contentment. That's what I, that's, that's it. Are we ready? Do we have a testimony to give those around us? The world wants to know that there's something out there that's changing us. There's immediacy. We have to be ready and willing to share that story. Um, last part, and, and, and by far my favorite. So, so bear with me. Um, Mark is a storyteller. And I don't mean a storyteller like he likes to tell stories. I mean like a raconteur, like he is a, an accomplished storyteller. Um, a good storyteller will keep the story moving. There's no lulls in the story. It's just, here's this, and it's just this thread that you can just follow, and it takes you places, and, and it kind of alleviates pain, and you can sit and listen, and it carries you off to another place. That's a good storyteller. There's a way to tell a story, then there's a right way to tell a story. Let me give you an example. Oh, tell, I'm so glad you're here, um, because you know this, you probably know this next story. You could, you could tell everybody that I'm telling the truth. This, is, this actually makes sense. I know a man who bought a lot of chickens, and one by one they disappeared. Those are the facts of the story. Okay? But it's really not that interesting, is it? Let me, let me really tell you the story. I know this man named Dennis who bought a lot of chickens. And he noticed that one by one, they were disappearing. Dennis is kind of, he's the salt of the earth kind of guy. But Dennis can kind of get wound up about some stuff. So Dennis is kind of like watching these chickens. Like, where are they going? Like, what's happening to my chickens one by one? It's like the rapture only daily, you know? Like one day there's a chicken is there and then he's not there and then they're gone. Like... And this must have gone on. He must have had 30, 35 chickens because like for two solid weeks, one's disappearing, 34, 33, 32, 31, 30, 29. Dennis is heated. He cannot figure it out. Finally, uh, Dennis loses all of his chickens. Disappeared. 
Dennis goes on a tirade. There's a nearby shed, kind of a, a little barn, and in it were the old milk uh, jugs, the old milk uh, cans. You know what I'm talking about? The antique milk cans. Some of you are like, those are antique? Yes, sir. The milk cans, all right? Dennis begins to just kick stuff over, looking like there's no signs of these chickens, and he stuffs his hand down inside of one of those milk jugs, and he pulls out a chicken. He throws it out in the yard. Sticks his hand down in another, it's another chicken. This continues. Milk jug after milk jug after milk jug, every single one of them showing like there's more chickens. He's taking the milk jugs and launching them out in the yard, like just launching them. Finally, Dennis gets down to the last milk jug to which he begins to look and he hears a noise in there. And there is this raccoon that is so enormously fat because he has been on a very, very strict diet of nothing but Rhode Island Reds for like the last month. And so they have, this, this sow raccoon has mowed through all of his chickens and he sees it and he takes the jug and he throws it out there. He grabs a nearby shovel and he walks out and he's ready to go to work. That great big raccoon comes out and it can hardly walk. It's so fat and it takes off. Dennis lines up, squares up. <laughs> Clobbers this raccoon. They had started a fire so they could begin to get rid of all these dead chickens. They're throwing them in. Eventually, they get them all in. So they grab the raccoon. Dennis grabs the raccoon, throws it in the fire. Unfortunately, uh, raccoon wasn't dead, came back to life. Um, not because it was dead, came back to life. He'd only knocked this raccoon out. It shoots out of the fire. It's much faster this time due to the fire than it was the previous time and it takes off. I remind you it's July and it's headed for the hay barn, okay? So this raccoon whose tail is now on fire is headed for the hay barn. Dennis is running trying to get his pliers out of his holster off the side and he can barely do it. Finally he gets up close enough. There's two versions of the story. Either the tail was clipped off or all the hair was singed. I don't know which one is real. I don't, I don't know which version is real. Regardless, we got the fire put out. We got the raccoon kicked over. Dennis still has his shovel in hand. It's right there on the ground. He's teed up. Oh, it is ready. He squares up. He goes to hit it. You're going to love this. The raccoon moves. And when Dennis misses the raccoon, he puts a shovel-sized dent in the door of his own pickup truck. Bam! Losing his mind, the raccoon runs away. There's a way to tell a story. I know a man who had a bunch of chickens and they all disappeared. And then there's the almost burned down the hay barn, damaged your own vehicle, ate all your chickens. What the crap just happened? Have you ever seen a raccoon that size? Like this is that kind of story. When Mark tells a story, Mark tells stories that are vivid. He uses these descriptors that draw you in and tell you something. Here's one. At the baptism of Jesus, Matthew tells you, and Luke, that when Jesus come up out of the water, that the sky was opened. And a dove descended, or the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. Onto Jesus. Mark doesn't say the sky was opened. Mark says, and when Jesus came up out of the water, 
the sky was ripped open. Anoigo is the word open. Mark uses the word schizo. This is a rip. And everybody who read that went, ooh, I bet you that was crazy. There is a moment when Jesus comes in contact with Legion, the demoniac. And when Matthew tells you the story, which we covered just a few weeks back, he says that Jesus sees the man, and the man sees him, and the demon speaks to Jesus, and he says, cast me into the pigs, and Jesus says, go. The demons go into the pigs, and then they run off the side of a cliff, and then the people came out and begged Jesus to leave. That's Matthew's story. Here's, here's Mark's story. The man with the demons came out. Jesus commanded the demons to leave. They ran into the pigs over the side. And then when the people in town heard about it, they came out, and what they saw was something different. The demon-possessed man was sitting, clothed, and now in his right mind. And then Mark goes on and he adds this other little, this tender little moment that Jesus has with this man whose, whose life has just been absolutely terrible. And he says that the man begged Jesus, can I please go with you? Do I have to stay here and always be in the same place, in the same role that I've always played in my own hometown? Do I have to stay here, Jesus? Surely you can relate. Going home is hard, isn't it? Having people see who you are, going back to that place to where now you're going to be that guy who did that thing or the son of that superstar or the daughter of that you-know-her. Is that what we want? And this man begs, can I please get in the boat and go with you? And Jesus turns and says to the demoniac, I want you to go home to your family. Here's the message I want you to give them. Tell them all the good things that the Lord has done for you. That's what I want you to do. That's what I need. And the man went home. You see, without Mark's gospel, we don't get this side of Jesus. You don't get these tender moments to where Jesus pulls somebody aside and says, can I talk to you? Look, I know you want to go with me and I know that's what you think is best, but it's not. I need you to go home. Mark's gospel tells me this. There's a Jesus who is tender and that in my weaker moments, he's not in heaven, glorious and mighty and mad like sometimes I imagine him to be. But he is patient and he is kind and he is waiting. And that he stands there in those tender moments looking even at me at my worst, demon-possessed and outside of my mind. And he says, just go home. Tell them how good the Lord has been to you.